0: Well, good morning. I'm hearing uh, what uh, Catherine's just said. I just wonder what I'm doing here, to be honest. But when um, Tim asked me about this morning, um, is is this working? Is it on? Um, Tim asked me about this morning at the Dynamic Prayer Conference day. Um, I was in my office, and i didn 't really have a, an opportunity to go over to the conference and He said that he told me about the PCC day and said that you 'd been kind of asking and praying about who to ask, and that my name came up because they thought that really it would be better not to have anybody that was too kind of um, inspiring or, or too cool <laughs> like, um, like jeremy Jennings you know? and someone said, "Well, what about asking they made me feel a little bit better so um, yeah, there's a little, I, I always love um, to start these days with this passage. I'm sure some of you will have heard it. But um, it talks about how exciting things can be after a prayer meeting or a day on prayer. Yeah. It was one of us, one of our very old ladies who's actually now died, found this in, in a magazine and gave it to us. And it says this, The other day I went to a local Christian bookstore and saw a honk, if you love the Lord, bumper sticker. I was feeling particularly chirpy because I had just come from a wonderful prayer meeting, or prayer day. So I bought the sticker and put it on my bumper. Boy, am I glad I did. What a wonderful, uplifting experience followed. I was stopped at a red light at a busy intersection, just lost in thought about the Lord and how good he is, and I didn't notice that the light had changed. It's a good thing that somebody else loves the Lord, Because if he hadn't honked, I'd never have noticed. I found that lots of people love the Lord. Why, while I was sitting there, the guy behind me started honking like crazy. And then he leaned out of the window and screamed for the love of God, Go, woman, go, go, go. What an exuberant cheerleader. Everyone started honking. And I just leaned out of my window and waved and smiled at all those loving people. I even honked my horn a few times to share in the love. There was a driver with a surfboard on his car, and he must have been disappointed in the waves, because he was yelling something like, stupid beach. I just smiled and waved. Then I saw another guy waving in a funny way with only his middle finger stuck up in the air. And I asked my teenage son what it meant, and he said it was a Hawaiian good luck sign, he thought. (laughs) Or something like that. Well, I've never met anyone from Hawaii, so I leaned out of the window and gave him the good luck sign back. My son burst out laughing while even he was enjoying this religious experience. A couple of people were so caught up in the joy of the moment that they got out of their cars and started walking towards me. I bet they wanted to ask which church I attended. But at that moment, I noticed that the light had changed. So I waved and grinned all my brothers and sisters and drove on through the intersection. I noticed that mine was the only car that got through the intersection (laughs) before the light changed again. And I felt sort of sad that I had to leave them after all the love that we had shared. So I slowed the car down, leaned out of the window and gave them all the Hawaiian good luck sign (laughs) one last time as I drove away. Praise the Lord for such wonderful Christian fellowship.
1: <laughs>
0: Goodness, so exciting things can happen after a day on prayer. And um, I think if you want to honk, if you love the Good Lord sign, then um, I'm sure Tim can get them. Ask him after the day. Hmm. You know, by, and I looked I, for fun. I checked up Google on prayer this week, and I, I just Googled in prayer to see what came up, and found that there were 72 million. 400,000 entries on prayer. Not all of them, I'm sure, Christian. I didn't really delve into it. But just there's a huge amount of um, interest, isn't there, and excitement or otherwise about prayer. My own start, really, Jeremy, um, Tim mentioned that I'd been involved for quite a long time in the prayer side at um, HTB. And that's true, but it was about, I think, about 15 years ago, maybe even a bit more, that um, Jeremy Jennings, who heads up the prayer there, I um, was speaking on prayer, and he asked people to stand um, if they would commit themselves to intercession. Now, at that stage in my life, I really, I'd always had, since being filled with the Spirit and starting a new place, really, I'd always had quite a close relationship with God, not every time, but I didn't have any problem with waiting on God, with experiencing his um, presence, all those things. I'd seen answers to things, yeah, but I never felt I was an intercessor. I felt I was too busy, I just, it just, I thought God could get on with it, and really, it wasn't for me. And all through this talk on um, prayer and getting involved, I could see where it was heading, and it was like I was hearing two voices. One, which I believe was the Holy Spirit, was saying, I've given you so much, couldn't you do this thing for me? Couldn't you get involved? While on the other hand, there seemed to be another voice, which was saying, oh, don't get involved, you'd never keep it up, you'd fail before you started. Let somebody else do it he has got more time. You never could do it. And this battle went on, really, throughout the service. And I think I was the very last person at the end to stand. And I said, um, Lord, if you really want me to be involved in this, I can't think you'd do it. It was one of the busiest times of my life. School runs, working, endless things happening. I didn't think I could ever give time to intercession. You'll have to wake me up. Um, uh, What a silly thing to say. And then, then the next morning, you know, I didn't set the alarm and oh dear, some incredibly early hour, um, I found myself awake, and I thought, oh no, please no, I don't want to do this thing, and I went downstairs, got a cup of coffee, sat in a chair, and I thought, I don't know how you do intercession, I just don't know how you do it, I don't know what you do, Uh, you're going to have to teach me, and for several days, nothing at all happened, but I found that slowly, slowly, as I sat there, and as I tried a few kind of halting prayers, and Um, God began to change my heart. And I found that I would walk... One day I was walking along... We lived um, in quite a busy street and I was walking along the road and I saw a newspaper hoarding with some quite arresting headline about a national situation. And normally I'd have thought, "Mm, just gone past it. But I suddenly found that something inside me went, oh, no, that should not be happening. And, And this began to happen a bit and gradually, gradually, I began to get a bit of a heart... For praying for things. I can't say it's ever been easy. I've always had this battle. And I do believe that the battle goes on when we try to pray. Why? Because the enemy doesn't like it. You know, I heard something quite some time ago. I wish I'd written it down from where I saw it. But I read or heard that, um, of course, Christians aren't the only people who pray. And that there are covens of witches who pray. And they pray regularly. And one of the things that they pray most is that the Christians won't. And I thought, oh, that is so awful. When I don't get up in the morning, when I just don't do these things, I'm being the answer to some witch's prayer. I don't want that to happen. And yet, there's always a battle. So that's my way of introduction to see where I'm coming from. I'm no amazing prayer, and um, we're all in it together, as Catherine said. There are no experts. I think it's great that everybody's here today, and I'm sure over the course of the day, my prayer is that we will kind of learn together. What I've done, I've put with me the dynamic prayer conference notes, which I think you may have in your... I'm not actually going to stick at all rigidly to those, but I'm going to sort of pick in and out of the first talk. And you may want to have a look, there's some on the table there if you wanted to, because they've got a picture on the front. The first talk is um, entitled Vision for an Effective Prayer. And you may want to, you know, I, 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 there's no time to go into the nit, how to pray, how to do it, the nitty-gritty. The next, um, the next session we'll look a little bit more about that. But it's really the basics that I just wanted to look at. And to just encourage us, as Catherine's already said, and from that quote that she mentioned, that, you know, we do make a difference. In the introduction, um, in the notes here, where the scripture is Matthew, 21, which is really the heart of the matter. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were buying and selling there. It is written, he said to them, that my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And there's another scripture which is says similarly, which is Isaiah 56, 7. I will give them joy in my house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And you've got there, as you know, the temple was synonymous with the presence of God. And you see that Jesus was so angry because what was happening in the outer courts of the temple was stopping people getting into the presence of God. And we can know that his heart is for joy in his house of prayer, that he cares about the personal relationship. I find that's a huge relief in prayer because if you know that God is for us, And he wants it to happen. We can trust him to fill in any gaps that we might have. If we we forget something on our personal agendas, or we haven't got it quite right, or on that particular morning we're just sitting there staring into space with a few thoughts whirling around our heads, which is often what seems to happen to me. I say, well, God, will you just take these thoughts and use them? We can trust that he's wanting the prayers to go up so that he will fill the gaps. It's about dialogue, not monologue. It's not about just us speaking to God. It's about him ministering to us as we do so and the relationship building. Andrew Murray, a quote from him, um, he said that prayer depends chiefly about entirely, almost entirely, on who we think we are praying to. Prayer depends chiefly and almost entirely on who it is that we think we are praying to. We need a right view of God. If we have that view of God, you know, it's not about what difference can I make if I spend a bit of time praying. I'm such a useless prayer. It's what difference does he make? What difference does he make when he uses my pathetic little prayers in his whole big picture? So we need to have a right view of God, which of course comes in the developing of the relationship.
1: There was a story about...
0: It was a youth worker, it was new to a church, and he was invited by the minister back for supper. The minister had a daughter who you think that the youth worker had met. And he said to him, oh, you'll know my daughter, Elizabeth, and if she's, this is how she looks. And he said, well, I'm not sure that I do know her. The, the minister was standing with his back to the mantelpiece. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, there's a picture of her over um, on the mantelpiece. The youth worker looked up at what he thought the minister was referring to, which was a picture he looked at over the mantelpiece, which was a picture of a herd of elephants. It was actually he had meant her to look, him to look at the photograph of his daughter. It's important that we get the right view if we're going to see how this all fits together and what the picture was. It's vital, let's point, to our well-being as Christians. It's God's idea, and that's not just our own personal well-being. It's the well-being of the church, it's the well-being of our neighbourhood, it's the well-being of the nation, really. And you can add to that national life. There's another quote from a Puritan forebear, who is and it's an anonymous quote: "When people stop praying, Christians backslide. Young people rebel. Preachers leave pulpits." Mission fields close. Churches die. Conversely, when people are praying, Christians are on fire. Young people come to Christ. We get more powerful preaching. Missions thrive and churches grow. And national life too benefits as our prayers and prayers go out from the church and spin out into what's happening in society. There's a huge benefit and it's a small wonder when you think of all those things, uh, the quote that we often hear, that Satan trembles at the sight of the weakest of saints on their knees. There's an enemy campaign, I do keep on about this, but there is a campaign to stop us getting on our knees, to stop us praying. Why? Because things happen, because it makes a difference. And we need to see that we're on the winning side. It's vital to our well-being and it's at, really at two levels, as we've heard already. There's a personal, the level of personal prayer and the level of praying together or corporate prayer. But really all these notes apply to either equally. And personal prayer, of course, is the essential building block on which all else rests. You can't really have any other level of prayer without personal prayer. And Jesus speaks a great deal about it, doesn't he? We hear that he got up a great while before dawn, He prayed whenever anything was going to be happening. He prayed before he walked on water. He prayed all night before he chose his disciples. He prayed and prayed and prayed. And out of that ministry came all the miracles that he did. And in Luke 11, the disciples we hear asking him, teach us, Lord, to pray. Well, you would think, well, they'd been around with him for quite some time by then. They'd seen him do healings. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him turn... um, bread and, 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 and to, to, um, turning water into wine. They'd seen him do the most amazing things. And I think I would have been tempted to say, Lord, teach me to do this stuff, will you? Yeah. But they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Why? Because I think they had seen that for him, prayer was what made it all happen. It was his communion, his communication with the Father that gave him that power to do the rest of the stuff. And, so, and out of that came the Lord's Prayer, which was his, his teaching to them. And also out of that too, in a way, came the act model that you probably always hear about—the adoration, contrition, thanks, supplication—that's the basic sort of Anglican teaching on how you do prayer on your own or indeed with a group. We need to work out really what's best for us, how it works. Ask them what we're happy with. I mean, some people—I'm one of those. I'm a mor- very much a morning person. I die at six o'clock. Anything after then, I just hopeless. I can't do it. But in the morning, that's when I feel at my best. That's not the case with everybody. And some people even pray before they get out of bed. There's a, a prayer here, which somebody prays. Um, yeah, they pray, "Dear God, so far today, I've done all right. I've not gossiped. I've not shouted. I lost my temper." I've not been greedy, I've not been grumpy, nasty or selfish, or overspent on my credit card. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to need all the help I can get. It's just, it's like that. Before we even get out of bed, we do it, really. On the other hand, there's another one over here from Oswald Chambers, who I don't know whether you ever read him, he's written an amazing thing called My Utmost for his highest. He's a Scottish um, minister who's a missionary. He was just the most amazing man, but he writes here that Unless, on first waking moment of the day, you learn to fling the door wide back and let God in, you will work on the wrong level all day. But swing the door wide open and pray to your Father in secret, and every public thing will be stamped with the presence of God. It's an amazing thing to think that everything we can do, everything in our house, everything outside, will have that stamp of God in it if we just give Him that opening moment. And that can be—it doesn't have to be. Um, three hours um, on your face prostrate before God. And maybe, maybe some of you do that. I mean, I actually do it. But it can be in the shower, it can be at the bus stop, it can be wherever works for us in our busy lives. Yeah. And it's different for all of us, and it's different at different stages in our lives, I think. But if we just let Him in, in whatever way we can at the beginning, then everything else you know, will be stamped and not with His, um, his presence. Yeah. I found that um, I spent a lot of time, often in the morning, you know, not so much these days, but you know, I, that really bemoaning the fact that my prayer life is not up to much. And I had spent enough time um, praying to God. And I answered, oh Lord, I'm sorry, I read books on uh, revivalists, on the great things that happened, great prayers, how they did it. And I think, I'm so pathetic, my prayers are no good. And I go on oh, no, and no, on no, no, about it and not doing it, you know. I mean, you know, I, so many, I think so many prayers are written about, so many books are written about prayer. that I wonder if you could put together all the books that have been written about prayer, all the words that have been written about prayer, and the words that have been spoken in prayer, which and put them all in on a line, which should make the longer line. I don't know, I suspect it might be the books, I don't know, but I think it could be. You know, One day I was moaning and doing this thing in front of God and I really suddenly felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. I think it was a very God-type thing. and It was a very simple sentence and it said, he said, uh, God said, the only number I can't multiply is zero. You know? And I thought, that's quite God-like, really, that is true. Because God can multiply the single most simple prayer we ever make but if we don't do any, he can't multiply that. Zero is the only number... That's not capable of being multiplied. Yeah. So, and what you want, what we want, I think, is the totality and the aggregate of all those little units of prayer prayed by different people in their different situations all over the world, but in our current church situations. Each one of us can do our bit, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's on Sundays at church, whether it's praying at Alpha, whether it's praying before you run a mothers and toddlers group. Whatever it is praying your families, praying at church prayer meetings, you get these numbers adding up sort of one by one by one, and they make a very large whole that God can really do something with. It's the different we want loads and loads of units um, in different ways. Yeah, so I think that that is a good thing to bear in mind that all those units go together and um, you know, and as we do that, as we get these um, units and things building up and we see things happen so our faith uh, begins to build we see things happening the next um, there's a little bit coming next on corporate prayer I'm really not going to do much at all about that Uh, if you want to you can look through the notes um, later but uh, another quote from Jonathan Edwards the 18th century revivalist preacher every significant spiritual awakening in the church has always been preceded by a concert of unusual united and persistent prayer it's a community important community activity and we need to see it placed as it is in the context of church life as the, the scripture quoted here is Acts two forty two, where it says this was after the day of Pentecost they, did that, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship the breaking of bread and to prayer, and a couple of verses on you see that they were also very much engaged in social action and evangelism. Yeah. And you see prayer there set in the context of church life. It's not a little thing on its own, it's not those who are doing the evangelism don't do prayer. Those who are involved in social action don't do prayer. It's not just a holy huddle that does the prayer. The whole church is involved in it and we need to see it positioned correctly in the life of the church really. And all of us playing our part. It's like a, a guitar, when you think of a guitar with all the different strings on it. If any one string plays, then it's not making much of a tune, but when all the strings are playing, then you get the tuning coming in, and all the bits of the church life come together um, in that way. It's expressed at different levels, and I suppose the basic level that most of us probably know most, or do when say prayer, when two of us praying together, or three of us praying together, and Jesus, as we know in Matthew 18:20, says that when two or three comes together in my name, there I am with them. And there are many scriptures too, as you will know, which mention say that He's with us when we pray, whether we're praying alone or whether we're praying scripture. It's the difference that He can make. So it's that thing again. It's not what difference. Are we making? When we don't feel like it. It's what is He doing with all the prayers? Where are they going, as we heard in that quote? Is it making any difference? And when we're praying together, you know, we, get, we can have prayer partners, we can have prayer triplets, we can have prayer in small groups, or we have the, I think the basic church block, which is the church prayer meeting. And I know that you have a very vibrant monthly prayer meeting here. I would really encourage anybody who you can to get along to that. Because I find anyway that it's extraordinary how the church prayer meeting, that monthly or weekly prayer meeting you go to, informs all the other prayer. You know, and if you go to that, I find if I go to that and I haven't really got any ideas on my own, I pick up things which I can kind of build on maybe during the week or, or during the month. It really helps to be there when the church is praying together because it releases other prayer. There are all sorts of ways you can pray when you're with other people. We had we just finished a week of prayer at our church because it's part of the Alpha initiative, and they had a the Alpha prayer meeting last night. But during the week, one thing they'd had they'd had different people praying in groups, and one thing that happened was that lots of the pastorate groups got together and they went to pray on the London Eye to pray, and they prayed for the city from a pod on the London line. I thought that's such a brilliant idea. I think it's 25 people or something on the pod. Obviously, you've got to pay for the pod. I think they subsidised it a bit for them. But they said it was the most wonderful experience going up in that pod and praying for London. There's all sorts of things. You can read newspapers. We, one other thing we had was a, a prayer room. And I went in it one day. Um, we were signing up for these two-hour slots. And I signed up for five till seven on a Tuesday morning. And a friend of mine was doing three till five every morning. Can you imagine? But anyway, she did. So I thought, well, I'll go along and support her. I'd go four. So I struggled in the four thinking, I should be so pleased to see me. I'll be the only one there. To find out there were four or five people who'd been praying with her during that time. It was interesting to see the different ways that people were praying. They were all together, but they were praying on their own. There were some people, one or two people were singing. There was somebody who was clearly praying in the spirit, in a tongue. There was somebody else who was sitting with headphones on. Somebody else who was kind of um, just listening to music. Some people were walking around, some were sitting still. There was somebody who was deploying the snoring model, which... They um, <laughs> really
1: were. Well, I think they did been there for quite a long time. And I'm sure
0: that God can interpret snores, but you know, they were doing that. They were all doing their own thing. You know? I just thought, it doesn't matter what the model is, actually, because it's the fact is that the prayer's going up, that God can do something with it. So the aim really is playing together at every sort of level. The church meeting, as you said, is the basic um, building block, I think. And I think, I don't know about you, but it's a very general point, but I think that it's so crucial for each of us, believing in our prayers and doing something that's actually making a difference. Because it's quite hard when you're sitting there, especially on your own, and it's cold and it's dark and everything's dry, and you don't feel that any prayer is making a difference at all. So get that vision that it is making a difference. And I love this um, this passage here, which is a bit further in the notes, which is Acts 12. From Acts 12, 5. The context is that Peter had been imprisoned for preaching the word, and um, an angel. The the group of Christians were praying together in a house away from the prison, praying for his release. And an angel comes to the prison and releases him. Peter goes away. He goes to the house where they're all praying, and he knocks at the door. And this is the scripture. Peter knocked at the door, at the outer entrance to the door. And a servant girl called Rosa came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening the door and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. That's on verse 15. And their response to her was, You're out of your mind. It must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened it, the door, they were astonished. That is, you know, the really coolest group of prayers probably there ever was. You know, they're like they're big guys, the big guns, the ones Jesus has specially chosen. They're praying together and they're totally astonished when their prayer is answered. You know, they didn't have the vision in quite the same way. They weren't quite expecting that the answer would be there. And I think that's what happens. We don't expect that anything is happening. And I've often thought, God, if we could see what was happening behind all this praying, we'd be a lot more effective at it. You know, some years ago, we had a quite a powerful move of the Spirit, and um, we had our church week away. And one of the things happened, that happened to me during that week was that I was really touched with the whole prayer thing, and intercession thing. I was making quite a lot of noise, and when I got home, we were just due to go on holiday the next um, Day, and I was really determined to find out about spiritual warfare. You know, I thought I want to do warfare prayer, spiritual warfare prayer, not just praying It's got to be warfare prayer. So I said, Lord, if I give my lot of my body to praying, will you teach me about spiritual warfare so I'm more effective? Yeah. And I, um, I got up as I always did on holiday. I used to get up really early and often try and do a book in the Bible. But this time I didn't do that. I prayed. I walked round the house with the doors creaking as I got up, just praying. And often I just be praying, maybe in the spirit, or just really, and nothing much seems to be happening. I did get one or two insights, but I prayed on the beach and I pray and pray and I thought, just nothing is happening. I'm not learning a thing. And to be honest, I was a bit fed up because I was giving up this time. He didn't seem to be teaching me anything. And one thing that kept coming up while I was praying, I kept getting these two words, which I, I did recognize with when I was praying in the Spirit, which sounded like "neo"philia. And I'm not a, a, a Latin speaker, but even I know that that means my son. So I was thinking, okay, I've got to pray for Jesus' kingdom to come. So I started to pray for Jesus' his kingdom, thanking him for Jesus, making me more like Jesus, and for your, thank you for your son. And I prayed, prayed, prayed like that. This went on for several days. And then I just was praying and I I don't remember much, much about it, except it was all quite boring, really. And I felt I'd been a bit let down because I was giving a lot of my time. When he got home, you know, a friend of mine said, was everything all right? I was praying for you all and I thought maybe something had happened. I said, no, we were absolutely fine. And when I met um, our son James, he said that, um, he told us that um, he'd actually been, he'd had a really bad car accident. And um, the car he was driving had rolled down the bank and the road had fallen asleep after doing worship at some conference he'd been to, had a long drive. And what had happened was that some friends of his who'd left him and gone to drive off somewhere on their own had really been um, at this garage, they stopped at a garage and they'd really felt to pray for him. And someone else had been with them had felt, oh, we must pray for him. And all at the same sort of time this happened. And this other friend of mine, she'd had this thing about got to pray for them at the same time. And all this prayer had been going on all the time. He was rolling down the hill. Yeah, he'd really felt like angels pushing back. The car was mangled, but he walked out absolutely fine. And the next day I was driving in of the car, and I said, God, thank you so much for raising up that prayer, and thank you so much that you know, he wasn't injured. And yeah, But half of me was thinking, hold on a minute. <laughs> I said, but really, all that prayer I was doing, I asked you to teach me about spiritual warfare. And why didn't you tell me so that I could pray? And the Holy Spirit spoke two words a time, me and me, you know? And I thought, you see, I thought that meant my son, you know, and I, that's how God works. The first thing, He told me exactly what was going to happen. But when I'd gone on, I said, for to sake, don't go anywhere, stay still, tie yourself up with string. You can't tell us what's going to happen sometimes. But those prayers that I was praying, and God graciously allowed me a little insight into it all then about what was actually going on, you know? And I think that my prayer for us, and all of us today, is that we will get a vision again. We catch it, or a new vision, that our prayers are effective, that they do make a difference, that it does matter, that our little ineffective bits and pieces go together as part of the whole, and they make a difference to what He is planning to do in our own personal lives, in our churches, and in the nation. In the conclusion here, I mean. We've used the scripture, the very well-known scripture from 2 Chronicles 7, to 14, which was, of course was the God speaking to Solomon at the dedication of the temple. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or demand locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. There's a lot in that passage. It, it involves repentance. It's not just prayer, but prayer is a very big part of it. And there's a there's a condition. There's an if, and there's a then. And if the people of God will get on their knees and pray again, then God's promise is that He will bring healing to the land and to the nation. So that's just how I've try to encourage us in this first
1: i not sure I have Excellent, thank you. Well, thank you, Glenda. That's uh, a really great start to today. Um, some, um, one of the things that just struck me when you were speaking was about this well being. And I don't know if you've all noticed how many well-being centers are springing up. and the, It's all about spas and massages and things like that. And everyone out there in the world is trying to find this well-being, aren't they? But they're looking in totally the wrong place because Jesus is, is the one who brings us well-being. Thank you for that. Let's just have a quick prayer. And then I think we're going to break for some coffee. Let's pray. Let's just think about things we've been hearing Just try and hear, listen to what the Spirit's been saying to us Father, thank you. Please set us free to hear your word for us. Amen. Let's have some coffee. Are we going to go to the back? Yeah, we're going to just go to the back now.